sometimes in this world, there's some things that need to stay true and stay strong and where it's at. And I don't, I'm not looking to just be mean or anything like that. One of the reasons that I don't change services on Super Bowl Sunday is uh, the reason the Lord said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I think the Lord comes first. And I think by doing so, by keeping it like it always is, and when it lands in the middle of their game or something, whatever it is, I think what we're telling the world is we think God's more important. And we don't change things for the world. We change things for God. Amen. And, and I'm not being mean to anybody uh, that, I mean, that, that's their choice. I don't have to answer for them. And, uh, but each of us will have to answer to God for ourselves. Amen. And so that's kind of where I stand in case you think, oh, you're just hard-nosed and old-fashioned. Well, I, I, think that, I, think the, I think the book is, is what we've got to follow. Amen. And be strong in that area. And, and uh, the fact is I've often thought, and a lot of people don't stop and think about this, where would you rather be right now at the Super Bowl game or watching it on a TV somewhere or here in church if the rapture happens? I'd rather be right here. Amen. Okay, we can go home now. All right. <laughs> you know better than that. Amen. Well, take your Bibles. We're going to read one verse, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. We've been preaching through a series that we've titled Finding It Again. There's some things that we have left behind. If you remember back uh, Luke chapter 2, as Jesus uh, remained uh, at, the, at the temple there and, was, and mom and dad had left him, in verse 44 it says, But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk. And acquaintance. When they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And so sometimes we leave some things behind that's very precious to us. And that's what happens many times in Christians' lives. If you would just stand real quickly for the reading of Proverbs 29 and verse 18, a very familiar portion of Scripture. It says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for this day. And thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness to us. Truly, Lord, we're not trying to be mean or rude by doing what we're doing tonight, by having church. Lord, we just think that you're the most important thing. And Lord, I pray that you be glorified. Pray, Lord, because that we continue to stand and do what we've always done, just like Daniel did, as he did aforetime. At the same time, Open the window three times a day and pray towards Jerusalem unto you. Lord, help us to be that faithful. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Bless this time together. I thank you for the folks, Lord, that love you, that are here. And Lord, desire, Lord, to please you. Let's pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. <clears throat> Sir Francis Drake wrote once, once many, 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 many years ago. He wrote, he said, disturb us. Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, 
when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. Where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future and push and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. What I believe that Sir Francis Drake was speaking of is what we're talking about tonight, and that's vision. So often we lose our vision for that which is eternal. We have a short-sighted vision here, and our plans are so short-sighted as a Christian many times in our own lives that we accomplish everything pretty quickly. It's because our vision is so small. And I think it's because we left that behind. I remember when I got saved, I remember thinking, boy, everybody's go- everybody wa- ought to want to get saved. Everybody ought to want to have what I've got. Everybody ought to, man, everybody. Amen. Thinking, boy, if I can just tell them, they're going to want to get saved. But that's not necessarily the case. If we're not careful, we lose that vision. Lose that vision of seeing God do great things. It's easy to leave behind your vision for the Lord and the things of God. We've become so busy in this present world that we forget about the next, which is the eternal one. We get our eyes on everything around us, and we get focused on that. And we forget to look beyond that to that which is going to last for eternity. We need that vision that reaches beyond the day and reaches into the eternity. We become so locked into this world. That which is the kingdom of God for which we're living for and preparing for even now and here, we should be having a vision for that. When I read here and preach tonight about vision, concerning vision, I'm not talking about a dream that you ate too much pizza or you went home tonight to watch the last half of the football game and you ate those hot wings or whatever they was and you was up in the middle of the night and your stomach was rolling and you had all kinds of night visions. I'm not talking about that type of vision. I'm talking about a vision that really could be described as a desire, okay, a desire. A vision that is a desire, not something that's a dreamy type thing. I'm not talking about, uh, uh, well, boy, if I could, you know, fly. I'm talking about a desire to, to serve God in a greater way, to see greater things at the hand of God, see God do some mighty, mighty works in our day and time. A desire that causes you to do something for the purpose and the plan of God in the kingdom of God. Well, first of all, when there is no vision, our Christian life is aimless and without purpose. If you don't have a vision, you're just wandering. Years ago, we had a missionary come in that uh, it was it was after the fall of the uh, uh, the the wall, the Soviet Union, and all as it fell. And in Albania, this missionary was a missionary in Albania, and he was there and. I know him. His name's Kirk King. I know him real well. We're good friends. And he's actually came off the field, but now he's back in Albania. But I remember at that time that he said it, it, was, it, was, it was just unreal what he saw 
in Albania. He said people literally wandered the streets like cattle, aimlessly. Just, he said just walking around. They had no money. He said to go buy a, a loaf of bread. Now listen, this is, this is just almost imaginable. Their money had went to practically nothing. He said literally to go buy a loaf of bread, he said you basically had to take a wheelbarrow and put all the money that you could get in that wheelbarrow to go buy a loaf of bread. He said it was unreal, the, the devastation to the people. Things were boarded up. People couldn't just go out and buy this or that, and they didn't have the money anyways, and said they just wandered around. He said it was just, was just, was just a, a, a terrible thing. And what is needed is they needed some direction. But what is sad today is that as a Christian, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I find Christians wandering around aimlessly, really, in their spiritual lives with no real purpose, with real no plan. I, I, okay, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But now what? And what is needed in that Christian's life is a vision, a desire to do what God wants you to do. And those are again in verse 20, or chapter 29, verse 18 of Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Many seeing the need in our day and the need in your own life and the need in the life of others around us, we see that, don't we? We see the need in our lives. We see the need in the, the people around us, maybe people in the Marshall area, not just necessarily somebody that you know and you drive by. Every one of us, we see uh, different ones walking down the street that we know that are homeless and and, uh, and, 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 some, and, and many times there's been people I, I, that I know of some that have stopped and, and, and talked with certain people that they're homeless. They don't want any help. They don't want to do better. They'll take something if you give it to them, but they, they, don't, want a, they don't want a job. And they don't want, they don't want to improve their life. That's, that's what they want to do. And that's sad. But we see that and we see different things in people's lives and we see the problems, we see the struggles in, in our own lives, in our world today, in our nation, in our schools, in our homes and all around us. And we see these things, yet we don't have a desire or really a vision seeking the Lord and being used of the Lord to change that which needs to be changed. We many times just wander away. James puts it this way in James chapter 1, begin verse 22, says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Otherwise he goes to the mirror, he looks in the mirror and he sees some things that need to be changed. Said so verse 24 says, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He looks in the mirror, he sees the problem. Maybe he needs to shave, maybe he needs to comb his hair, maybe he needs to wash his face or whatever as an illustration. He looks in the mirror and he just, he walks out the house. Goes that way all day long. He forgets about it, he don't, you know, it's no big deal. He don't want to look in it, there's no vision of looking better. What's sad is we look around, we see things that's needed. Can I tell you something? In America, we need revival. Amen. We need the hand of God to come down again. Our churches are dying by the thousands. 
The Christians are falling out of church by the thousands. People are dying without Christ by the thousands, by the scores, and, and every single day. And yet we go about our way doing nothing. It's because of lack of a vision. When I say vision, again, I'm talking about a desire to do that which God would have us to do. Notice there, he forgetteth. Otherwise, he leaves behind the vision. We see those things. We see the need. Maybe in our lives, prayer, more prayer time and, and uh, spending time with the Lord. Maybe uh, spending some time fasting and praying. Maybe uh, getting in the Word of God more. Maybe, uh, and we'll deal with some other stuff here. But whatever it is, we look at our lives, but we don't do anything about it. We don't have that vision. Forgetteth which leave behind the vision that which he saw, that which he knows, that which at one time was his desire in his life. You find a lot of Christians that profess Christians is not even in church today. They've lost that desire to live for God, to serve God. They've lost the vision of why they're really here. Can I tell you something? Sitting in this room, there's no accident why you're here. If God was done with you, if he did not have a plan for your life, if he did not want to use you, if he did not want you to be involved, if he did not want to bring honor and glory to his kingdom, if he did not want to bring honor and glory to his son, he'd have took you home. He has a plan for you and me. But my friend, that part of that plan is that we get a vision and to be used by him, a desire to see him do great and mighty things and so forth. But look at verse 25, it says, but whoso... Looketh into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and continueth therein doing something. He being not a forgetful here, he didn't leave the vision out, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Continueth therein, not forgetful, otherwise not leaving behind the vision, has a desire to serve God, has a desire to be used of God, has a desire to see things happen for the honor and glory of God. I mean, there's a fire burning in his soul. He wants to see something happen. He's on fire. He said, I want to see God do something in our day and time. I'm not just satisfied with being status quo. I'm not just satisfied with just going to church. I'm not just satisfied with hearing a message. I'm not just satisfied with picking up a Bible. I want to see God do something again. Well, we need that in our country again. We need that in our churches. People say, I want to see God. You know, I'm not against programs. I'm not against... Uh, doing things like in programs of church. I think they're good and they're helpful if they're used right. But I'm going to tell you what we've got in, 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 in most churches today. We're trying to program everything into existence. We're trying to set up a program, go A, B, C, D. If we do this, we're going to get results of D. My friend, that doesn't work. You're, you've done programmed the Holy Spirit out of things. God moves and works through the vision of his people, desire of doing that which is not natural, doing that which is supernatural. I'm not talking about talking people into, into getting saved. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit getting a hold of their hearts and changing their lives and saving that soul. But it's going to take a desire of God's people to work and to move in our lives that we might have that vision. Notice there that he didn't leave the vision behind. 
He continued therein for the purpose and the plan of God. But notice that that person becomes a doer of the work. Without a vision, you wander aimlessly, and you're not a doer of the work of God. You've got to have a vision, a desire. The results also, it talks about the results when you do. The results brings blessings in his deeds or his life. God will honor that when you have a desire, when you have a vision, and you are a doer of that, seeking God in those situations. God said, I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to bless the deeds that I've called you to do. I'm going to, my hand is going to be upon it. No, oh, we need that today. So let's consider some areas that we may have left our, vi- left our vision for behind, and we need to go back and take it up just like Mary and Joseph went back searching for Jesus and taking him back. First of all, could I ask you tonight, have you left behind your vision to reach the lost? Now, I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, I want to see people get saved. I'm not talking about that. Vision, true vision, is coupled with action. It's not just, oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, yes, that's what I want to see. Real vision is seeing it and doing something about it. That's vision. That's desire. Now, remember, vision, as I said, is actually not just the talking about it, but doing something to reach the loss. It may be friends. It may be family. It may be a spouse. It may be children. It may be a co-worker. It may be a neighbor or even a stranger that you meet. What, a stranger? Oh, yeah. Doesn't everybody need Christ as their, as their Lord and Savior? Guess what? Sometimes it may be like it was the other night at Lowe's and, 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 and talking to somebody and, and that we have no idea who he was. And in fact, we got in a conversation because of his name on his name badge. I thought he was either Ukrainian or Russian. I asked him, I said, what nationality are you? He said, American. I, I said, well, I mean, you're ethnicity. I can't even say it now. He said, Spanish? <laughs> well, I missed that one. But his name looked almost like a Ukrainian or Russian name, his first name. I didn't have any idea who he was. But you know what? That doesn't matter if we know who they are. We should have a desire to see them come to know Christ. It may be your next door neighbor. It may be a stranger. It may be a family member. You know what? One of the things that sometimes is hard in families where you have lost loved ones or something that don't, people don't know Christ their Savior, sometimes we feel the pressure and, and a little bit afraid to say something to them. But I'm going to tell you something. You better get a vision, a desire to see them get saved. You better get a, a, a vision and desire to get the gospel to them and see them receive Christ their Savior because one day it's going to be too late. And many times we go through this life and we, we just, we, just uh, uh, we, we, let them, we let them perish. In, in Proverbs 29 there again, verse 18 says, where there is no vision. Notice what it says. What happens when there's no vision? The people perish. The people perish. There has to be a vision to keep people from perishing, from dying and going to a devil's hell, 
or if they're saved to keep them from their lives being destroyed. We got to work with them and try to get them in church, get them around the things of God, see them grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of messes and they need the Lord Jesus Christ. But without a vision, they're going to perish. This area, uh, in this area of people perishing for eternity without Christ, praying's good. And we're to pray. And it's needed. But my friend, there needs to be some action put to it. There needs to be some footwork put to it. There needs to be more than just the praying. That vision ought to stir us to go and to tell them about Jesus Christ and, and to get the gospel to them and try to reach them for his honor and glory, to magnify the Lord before them that they might receive Christ as their Savior. We find over in Jude in verse 22 and 23, it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. I'll tell you what, it takes a vision of, hey, listen, loving people and that they might come to know Jesus Christ, their Savior. There's people that you know, there's people that I know, there's people we work with, there's people that we're around. You know what? They're not going to listen to you unless they really know that you love them. And part of that vision is loving people, having a desire to love them to Christ and let them know that Christ loves them. But if you look at the next verse, it talks about going a step further. It says, uh, he, uh, it says, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I look at that as those who, who that we don't know well enough that are this earthly person that we really love them with, with a deep love. We, I mean, they're a new acquaintance, but hey, listen, we ought to do everything we can to pull them from the burning pits of hell. To keep them out, out, keep them from dying and without Jesus Christ. Because listen, they're going to die one of these days. They're going to spend eternity in a lake of fire if they don't get saved. We ought to care enough to try to pull them out of the fire. Whether we really know them or not. There ought to be a vision, a desire to reach lost souls. If I was to go around this room and say, who was instrumental in you getting saved? Practically every person in this room, if you looked at it closely enough, there's people who were instrumental in your salvation. It might have been a parent. It might have been a, a sibling. It might have been a preacher. It might have been a Sunday school teacher. It might have been a next-door neighbor. And on goes the list. <coughs> there's, there's many people. What if they did not have a vision of reaching the lost? You might be on your way to hell. You might be on your way to hell. <coughs> we run buses for one reason. Not so that we can give candy to the kids and be a big benefactor to the dentist. It's not that we do it to entertain them. It's not that we do it to just become their friend. But the reason that we run buses the reason that Aaron and others make visits on Saturday mornings, give up their, a big portion of their day, especially Sister Aaron, and the reason that our bus drivers, John and, 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 and Hunter and, and Anthony, uh, come out here on Sunday morning, doesn't matter what the temperature is, doesn't matter what the, the weather's like, if the preacher says we're running the buses and van, they're going to come. The reason that we do that is because we have a vision of wanting to see them get those kids get saved. Realizing that that may be their only hope. 
that many of those that ride those buses, their parents will never darken the door of the church. We have at times uh, the, the children's church, uh, 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 Rachel and, and Thomas uh, they all, and, and Sam and some of them have got together and they've designed something to try to get the, the bus parents in to even feed them a meal and stuff. And you'd be surprised how few will even come. Why? Because they don't want anything to do with it. All they want is a babysitter. But you know what? The reason we do it is because we want to get saved. We need a vision for reaching people. All around us, people are dying without Christ. We've got to reach them. But if we lose our vision, if there is no vision, those people are going to perish. I'll be honest with you. Years ago, the Lord really worked in my heart. And, and I'm not where I ought to be on, on this. Uh, my vision needs to increase. But you know what? And I'm not saying that I'm anything, but with the background that I've got in electronics and, and even in the medical field, I could, have been, I could have been doing a lot of other things than preaching the gospel. But God got to hold my heart and said, listen, there's a vision you need, and that's to reach lost souls. And that should be the desire of every person here. It doesn't matter what you do. It's not saying that you have to be a preacher or a missionary, but we're all ambassadors for Christ. We're to be that representative to getting the gospel out so that souls can be saved. Could I ask you tonight, how's your vision, your desire to reach the lost? So, preacher, I want to see people get saved, okay, but what are you doing about it? What are you doing? Then we find that uh, possibly we've left behind our vision to see the Lord move powerfully. You know, I think in the day and time we live, I think that Satan is working to numb Christians. To get us just to be a couch potato, you might say. Sit in the pew, listen to the preaching, sing the songs. We're good for the week. When God says, I want to do some great and mighty things. And I think sometimes we've lost sight of how powerful, how mighty, and how wonderful our God is, and that he can do great and mighty things. And we've lost vision of that. And our, our vision for God doing great and mighty things in our day and time is so small. God says, you need a bigger vision to see me do great and mighty things. There in... Jeremiah 33 says, call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But we seldom call upon him for great and mighty things because we don't have a vision for great and mighty things. We don't have a desire for great and mighty things. We ought to have a a vision for God to do something great and mighty with Calvary Baptist Church. I'm not talking to make us look like something. I'm talking about that an outreach to, to, get, to get more in, to see it grow, to see souls saved, to see lives change. A great and mighty working of God. To see God do something great and mighty. 
but not just in the church. I'm talking about even in your own individual life. When's the last time that you stepped out by faith with a desire to see God do something specifically mighty and great in your life? And you sought him for it. You know what most of us do? Until there is a major problem with health or something like that, we never think about it. But we serve an awesome God, a mighty God, a powerful God. You know what this world needs to see? This world needs to see the mighty hand of God. This world has seen what man can do. And sometimes that may be pretty impressive. But I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing to compare to what God can do. And oh, how we need to seek the Lord for great and mighty things again. I'm not talking about name it, claim it type uh, of things. I'm talking about that which will bring honor and glory to God to see great and mighty things. When's the last time, uh, again, that you really sought the Lord for something great and mighty to see his hand move in a powerful way? We quit seeking the Lord for great and mighty things because we left our vision behind of God doing those great and mighty things. Could I ask you tonight, have you left behind that desire to have that closer walk and experience with the Lord in a greater way? Maybe you have never been through this, but there's been times in my life that all of a sudden I realized, hey, I'm not walking with the Lord like it was. I'm not as close to God as I was. And something inside me says, I want that back. I want that back. I want to experience that fellowship. I want to experience that, that walk with God that, that goes beyond our comprehension. We find there in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, it says... And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. He says this, I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience for my name's sake, and hast labored and hast not fainted. He said, I see all the works that you've done. You're just kind of moving along. He said, you're just kind of going along with what you know, you know, just a steady stream. Do you know what he says then? Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. I'm talking about a love with the Lord that causes a, a desire to love Him in a greater way. A desire, a vision of that closer walk with Him. Not being satisfied. Can I ask you tonight, are you satisfied where you are spiritually in your walk with God, in your, in your fellowship with the Lord, in your devotion times, in your prayer times, in that seeing that presence of God in your life and just hit that communion with Him? Just walk. Boy, there's those times that, and, and boy, you just, I get to think about, boy, there's those times like, you know, I'm just by myself and I'm thinking, Lord, you're, man, you're good. <laughs> oh, man. It's just really an enjoying. That fellowship and walk. And he's bringing verses to mind and the Holy Spirit's saying this and that and working in my heart. And then there's been those times it's like, 
Hmm. It's been a while since I've really experienced that. And I have to get that desire back, that vision back of walking with the Lord in that closeness, in that fellowship with Him. We can go through the motions, but the Christian life is not about going through the motions. The Christian life is about experiencing and walking with God and knowing Him in a greater way. Have you left that stirring for the Lord behind and just floating no real fire, no desire for more in the Lord? Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Boy, I tell you what, we ought to draw as close to God as we possibly can to see him do great and mighty things and to have that walk with him in a great way. There's so many other areas I could go into, but I want to look at this one here and we'll be closing. Have you left behind the desire for real revival in our land? We used to talk about revival. We used to preach about revival. We used to push for revival. We used to pray for revival. We used to, to, to look at God stirring and working and, and asking God to do some uh, uh, great things in our lives and in the lives of the people in our church to see revival and see God do mighty things. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, I know thy works without neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou hast said, I am reached and in, rich and increased with, with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art miserable and poor and blind and naked, wretched. He said, actually, art wretched. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Thou mayest be rich in white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salves that thou mayest see. He's talking about revival, a hunger and a vision for God to, to just come down in a powerful way and begin to move in, in the lives of Christians, but then to move in the hearts and lives of the lost and see souls saved and see a, a stirring go on. Oh, preacher, we can't have revival anymore. You know why people say that? Because they have no vision for revival. Preacher, it's too hard to have revival. It's because people have no vision for revival. When you determine in your heart that you're going to have revival, you want to see revival, God's going to do something. When you get a desire, when you get a vision for God to do something great and mighty, he's going to do it because he's going to show himself mighty. He's going to show himself powerful. He's going to do something that beyond the comprehension of man. And when you get a vision, sometimes it's not something that's just going to happen overnight. When you desire a revival, well, preacher, you know, we have these special meetings and, and we'll, the week before we'll, you, you sign us up to, we sign up to fast and pray for it. And we have good means, but we haven't seen really what you call the revival. Sometimes it takes years of seeking, of a vision. Most of you here have heard me talk about the Hebrides Islands. Let me just read a portion about the Hebrides here. 
1949, two old women named Peggy and Christine Smith, one of them 84 years of age and the other 82, were greatly burdened because of the state of the body of Christ in their community. The church in the little island of the Hebrides was in, in need of an awakening. These women took it upon themselves to pray until revival comes. They had a vision. They spent hours in prayer, sometimes praying from 10 p.m. to 3 or 4 a.m. in their little cottage. As intercession was intensified, some ministers joined the sisters for prayer every Tuesday and Friday. They began to pray the promise of, of God in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. says, For I will pour water upon them that are thirsty and floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. During one of their prayer sessions, God showed Peggy and Christine that a, a Scottish preacher by the, uh, called Duncan Campbell was to visit them, that, they would be, that he would be used to bring about revival. After a series of events, Duncan arrived for a two-week meeting. This visit lasted about two years. In Duncan's first meeting, nothing major happened, but one of the deacons encouraged him, don't be discouraged. It's coming. I already hear the rumbling of heaven's chariot wheels. We will have another night of prayer, and then we will see what God is going to do. About 30 persons gathered at a cottage that night for prayer. About 3 o'clock in the morning, God swept in, and about a dozen were laid prostrate upon the floor. As they left the cottage that morning, they found men and women seeking God. No one seemed to, to think of sleep. Three men were found lying by the roadside in, the, in conviction, crying for God to have mercy on them. The whole island was shaken. Revival? The next night, buses came from the four corners of the island, crowded the church. Seven men were being driven to the meeting in a butcher's truck. When suddenly the Spirit of God fell upon them in great conviction and all were converted before they reached the church. As Duncan preached, a wave of conviction swept over the congregation. Cries were heard all over the place. The meeting closed with people be, when people began to move out. As at, the la, as at the last person was about to leave, a young man began to pray. He prayed for three quarters of an hour. As he prayed, people kept gathering until there were twice as many outside. When the, the young man stopped praying, an elder read the Psalms 132. As the people sang the old hymn, they, they streamed back into the church, and the meeting lasted until 4 a.m. Hardened sinners were saved. Just as the meeting was closing, someone hurried up to the preacher, very excited. He says, come with me. There's a crowd of people outside the police station. They're weeping and, and in awful distress, and we don't know what's wrong with them, but they're calling for someone to come and pray with them. Describing the scenes outside the police station, the minister declared, I saw a sight I never thought was possible. Something I saw, I'll never forget. Under the starlit sky, men and women were kneeling everywhere by the roadside, outside cottages, even behind the, the peat stacks, crying for God to have mercy upon them. Revival had come. God came down and shook the little island of the Hebrides. Oh, preacher, we can't have that. No, we can't. Not as long as we don't have a vision for it. 
What would happen if this little old no-name church in Marshall, Missouri got a vision for real revival? What could happen? Enough that we begin to pray and seek God even into the wee hours of the morning. You see, where there's no vision, the people perish. To find your vision again, you've got to turn your eyes on the Lord. Seek Him and His will for your life. Get your eyes off of self and look into His face and His Word. Draw near to Him and your heart will be stirred again and your vision will be restored. Then walk daily in the light with Him. You'll be surprised what a stirring vision He'll lay on your heart. We've got to get that vision of that desire again. Oh, that great and mighty things would happen for the honor and glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, if we've left our vision behind, People are going to perish. Help us, Lord, to regain that vision, to walk with you, to allow you to do that which is pleasing unto to you, Lord, that we might see souls saved, that we might see great and mighty things, that we might see revival, that we might see <clears throat> Christians coming back, that we might see, Lord, people's hearts change for the honor and glory of God. Touch us tonight, Lord. Touch us tonight. Lord, a night that Lord, there could be a vision, Lord, started in the hearts and lives of your people, Lord. Touch us tonight. And Lord, give us a desire. Give us a vision. Lord, there's nothing too big, nothing too great for you. Have your will and way, Lord, I pray in this invitation.